0: Christmas, everybody. Happy holidays, all that good stuff. Um, Welcome back to the Weekly Impact Podcast uh, from Elevation Community Church in Blanchester, Ohio. Once again, it is always good to be back and be talking to you guys and talking to my friends here around the table. Um, As always, I am joined by Jacob Kingsley. How's it going? Daniel Yelverton. It's going well, Jacob. Thanks. (laughs) And our special guest of this week, our guy that we're honored to have in here with us, is Mr. Dennis Morris.
1: Great to be here.
0: Good to have you. We're excited to see where this conversation is going to go. So everybody, as you're listening, today we are going to get into 1 Corinthians chapter 8. So that's the chapter we're on today, and we're going to go ahead and get into it. And we will read counterclockwise this time, just to mix it up a little bit. What do you think? Whoa! A little crazy. Yeah. I can track with it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we'll start with Daniel and make our way around.
2: All right. Now concerning food offered to idols, we know that... All of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. If anyone imagines he knows something, he does not yet
1: know as he ought to know. But the person who loves God is the one whom God recognizes. So what about eating meat that has been offered to idols? Well, we all know that an idol is not really a god, and that there is only one God.
3: For although... There may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father from whom all things are, for whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things and through whom we exist.
0: However, not all possess this knowledge, but some, through former association with idols, eat food
1: So because of your superior knowledge, a weak believer for whom Christ died will be destroyed. And when you sin against other believers by encouraging them to do something they believe is wrong, you're sinning against Christ.
3: Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat lest I make my brother stumble.
0: All right, so uh, one thing, now that we're done with the chapter, one thing that I didn't get into um, for anybody who is new to what we're doing here today, as we read through, we follow the acronym of SOAP. Um, I've covered that each, t- each time just to try to explain to people what we're doing and the format that we will have this discussion in. So what we do, the SOAP is um, the acronym for Scripture, observations from what you read, um, applications, how you can apply it to your life today, and then we end with prayer. So as we get into this, observations. Um, what stuck out to everybody there, um, reading through anybody?
2: I think Paul is using a lot of, um, when you're reading this, he's using a lot of quotations, you know? And so I think that's kind of, I feel like he's saying a lot of things kind of tongue in cheek or he's had some yeah. some some different meanings to the words that he's actually saying. Like there's stuff behind, mm-hmm. there's, there's content behind what he's saying. Like in verse 1, it says, uh, we all know that all of us that possess knowledge, and he puts <laughs> that kind of in quotations, and that knowledge puffs up. And I think really what he's saying is not that knowledge is, is intrinsically bad, or that it is, but it's this kind of, this either hope in knowledge, or this confidence that you have in your knowledge or that your wisdom, it actually sets you apart and actually creates a divide between people, and so that's where it puffs up. Whereas, when he says and when he can when he finishes the verse, he says, "But love actually builds up, which builds the connection between mm. people."
3: Yeah, I don't think the the listeners could quite hear your your air bunny quotes as you were
0: reading, but it was a, <laughs> I was trying job. to do it like into the mic. <laughs> I just I just kept thinking about Garth
1: from Wayne's World when you were doing that. So. <laughs> Yeah, and it's interesting. He's almost mildly sarcastic. Yeah, Mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of like a jab, which I think Paul's kind of having some fun with him, saying, "Come on, let's get real." You know, just and I see just in our modern day conversation, we look at one another once and say, "Come on, come on," and I think Paul is saying that a little bit to them uh, about this this argument that they're they're having over meat and what do we do about meat and we. We can discuss that a little bit later, but I think he's having a little bit of fun with his mm-hmm. readers in this, this letter. Maybe, maybe that that humor he's having is to try to get them to wake up a little bit, maybe even to lighten a little, lighten up, lighten up some, and to kind of, you know, I guess let's let's look at this thing in a fun way, mm-hmm. possibly. That's mm-hmm. that's I agree with that, Daniel.
2: And I think even in the mocking, he's also. Disarming the power yeah. that idols have over the culture and over what people think when he's kind of putting those quotes and putting the sarcasm in is that he's saying like really when it boils down to it, the things that we're squabbling over, the things that we're arguing about don't matter yes like they carry no spiritual power or significance. And so I think that there's uh, as we're reading this, we're seeing that he's kind of taking down uh, what is. I think maybe built up in people's mind uh, when it comes to like what's the important issues that's that's really being conflicted between the church and with uh, and its clash with the culture.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think if we look look at the text of First Corinthians, Paul is dealing with questions they're having arguments, they're, they're debating, the the, the the fellowship of believers, the community of believers in Corinth, they're, they got a multitude of issues, and one of the issues was was meat offered to idols. So one group of people was saying, you know what, that meat, I can, you know, you, you, you buy the meat and you sacrifice it, you go to a temple and you sacrifice it to that idol, and and then you can buy that meat on the side, ten cents on a dollar, so to speak. And they say, "Hey, good USDA meat. <laughs> I, I, I want it. That's good, good food." Another person is saying, "I was just converted to Christ, and I went to that temple, and I know what that they did to that meat, and there's demons in that meat. And if I eat that meat, I'm going to consume demons. And so they're they're having this controversy over this. This is a real issue. And I think Paul is saying, guys, maybe it's not." that big of an issue compared to the bigger issue and that is how do we relate to each other Mm -hmm. how do we talk to each other how do we care for one another
3: yeah and I think it it goes into how we apply it because this is one of those chapters that you can read and be like what in the world Mm -hmm. like meat to idols and all that that doesn't happen today so why you know why do I need to know this how is this even important to me because I'm not eating meat offered to idols and nobody around me is so what does this even do like you said, when you look at it, and as we're going to talk about it, it's more about how we relate to people, our relationship with other Christ followers and our relationship to God. It's not about meat. It's not about being a vegan, being a vegetarian, anything like that. Right.
1: So what are some of the things in our culture today, or maybe our church culture today, that would relate to that? Yeah, you know, To them, it was meat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they were debating over this meat offered to idols. What are some things? I mean, I think of two or three things in in my life. Uh, one would be contraceptives. Uh-huh. You know, you have a group of people who say, "Just trust God to open and close the womb." Uh-huh. You have another group of people who say, "No, you can you can decide how many children you want." What about alcohol? You have a group of people saying Christians should never touch it, and then you have a group of people saying, "Hey, come to my house for a couple of beers." Mm-hmm. You know? That, that's, and so there are, uh, what are some other issues in our culture that Christians would would fit into this category of maybe meat offered to idols that would cause conflict that we had to work through? Hmm.
2: Uh, I mean I think one that sticks out to me is is elevating politics. You like elevate, yes. elevate politics, stir up the pot. <laughs> pot. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean elevating politics to the point where we um, use that as a stumbling block, mm-hmm. or we use that as we elevate our opinion of a certain political party uh, over the brotherhood and sisterhood that we have in Christ. Mm. And I think that that's uh, we lose the people in the mix, or even as we will downgrade. It's almost like there's this there's this um, downgrading happening between the people that have knowledge and the people that don't have knowledge and so yeah. there's this puffing up and maybe some you believe in some political party and so that puffs you up and so if anybody opposes that then you're looking down or you're looking negatively mm-hmm. on that person or on that believer yeah. and uh, Paul, that, that could be one of those air quotes, you know, is that mm-hmm. you're so concerned about what the political party is is that you're losing the fact that this is a believer and we should be concerned about the you know, the heart and the 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 walk and the relationship that that believer has with Jesus as opposed to what their political affiliation is.
0: Yeah. No, I agree with that. And I mean, you know, that's that's a world that I've been fairly immersed in for a while, not in the last year or so as much, but quite a bit in the past. And you do, man. You see, I just turned on a news channel last night just for, for a couple minutes for the first time in a while, and there's just so much of that going on that people seem to forget the humanity of the people on the other side, you know, Mm -hmm. and it seems like they, uh, it just, it just becomes visceral and just angry and you just, I don't know. Like you said, it's it's just like you're forgetting that that is a human being as well Mm -hmm. and that they are above all of this arena of politics. They are a child of God as well who needs to know him and needs to be loved by others.
3: Mm. I think Daniel, when you were talking about that knowledge, um, And talking about, you know, the different almost like levels of knowledge that people were assuming to have that um, in this passage, it's easy to kind of pick up on, oh, well, maybe I shouldn't do one thing because it might make somebody else do that same thing that's wrong for them. That's definitely something in there, too. But Paul's also addressing the attitude for the people who feel comfortable doing something that maybe somebody else doesn't. And they're saying, well, why can't you feel comfortable? Like, you should feel comfortable. Come on. Like. I can drink and I know it's not a sin, so why don't you drink? You know, I do this and I know it's all right, why don't you do that? And it's that knowledge that puffs up, it's that pride and assuming that you're just at a better place than another person and looking down on somebody because they don't do the same thing as you.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I and I think I think that's right on and I, I do think it's important to be able to talk openly about where we stand on different positions. but respecting and honoring one another, which which I think is love, for another person to hold a different position. Back to politics. You can be a very conservative or moderate or more liberal, but if we make our fellowship around Jesus Christ, we should be able to discuss everything uh-huh. in a, with a high regard and honor of one another without losing the spirit of fellowship in Christ. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a real challenge in our Especially our political world, mm-hmm, that's a yeah. real challenge, but i think I think that's very that's a great illustration of what Paul's dealing with here because he's seeing because it's love it's love mm-hmm. just because you don't agree with on meat or politics or contraceptives or you name it a slew of different issues, mm-hmm. we do agree on Jesus mm-hmm. and make our fellowship around around Christ,
0: yeah.
2: And I think another thing that Paul is addressing here, kind of behind it, is not only just the, um, like, the the controversial things of the culture, but I think Paul is asking a deeper question to the believers is, what are you going to do with the freedom that you have now in Christ? Yeah. Who are you serving with that freedom? Are you serving your own needs, your own desires, your own kind of will, your own... Uh, your own, your your emancipation is something that you are now just almost like drinking and enjoying and, or are you using that freedom in a way to serve and love others in the process? And I think we can lose, we can lose the whole forest over a tree, Mm -hmm. whether it's politics or whether it's um, alcohol or contraceptives or any hot topic of any you know debate that's divis- basically anything that divides people is going to be something that is going to be kind of opposed to the gospel because the gospel is all about unity and uh, unity of all people and so uh, I think that if you, uh, whatever it may be you know, are you whatever you're using your platform on whether it's Facebook or different things like that <laughs> Is this going are you saying something that you're focusing so much on this specific tree that you're losing the people as a whole you're losing the forest over this one specific topic and I think Paul is saying all right are we using our freedom to kind of indulge ourselves or are we using our freedom now to serve others and to Mm -hmm. uh, to welcome people along on this journey and walk with them as they're doing this because he's basically talking about people that have been immersed in a culture of idols and they see what eating uh meat offered to idols is actually all about for them and that's that's what they've been ingrained in their mind somebody that's been maybe has freedom from that now you don't condemn the person that's still kind of stuck in there or working through that instead you walk with them in the process of you know of really figuring out what freedom in christ actually is and uh
3: one of my college professors actually Um, just had a a story of a strangely similar um, modern-day application of this. Um, He was a part of the mission board on his church, and they were welcoming in um, a missionary who was born and raised in India, and he had lived there his whole life, and he had grown up in the caste system, Um, and he was a Hindu for almost all of his life until a missionary came to him and... Um, taught him about Christ and he accepted Christ and he wanted to be a missionary to his own people. And so his church was welcoming him um, back into the U.S. And so he had gone to pick him up from the airport and he was hungry and he just wasn't thinking of culture and where he had been before. And, um, you know, he was like, "Okay, we're just going to get some fast food, which is like really simple. And he ordered him a hamburger. And so he was eating it and he was like, well, what's in it? And he told him and he was appalled that there was beef, that he had eaten beef, because he's a Christian now. No, he knows cows aren't holy and sacred, because that's not part of his belief. But for him, that had been such a deep conviction of his whole life, and it was still, in an odd way, tied to his spiritual experience, if that makes sense. And so always being sensitive to where other people are coming from and their own views. Even if you may look at them and be like, why? Why? but to have grace for them yes. and to love and to sometimes sacrifice something mm. for yourself. You know, maybe you wanted to go, you know, see an R-rated movie with this group of people, but, you know, there's somebody else, whether it's from church, whether it's just somebody that you know that is really trying to cut out that R-rated stuff in their life. And you say, you know what, we'll go see a different movie. We'll go do something else. And maybe you forego seeing something you wanted to. Yeah. It's it's a selfless act, which is love, um, that Paul is talking about.
0: I think puff up, what he said there, is is a good word as well. You know, talking about the political arena and things like that. I know that there are times that you can get, you know, really just upset about something that you're having a conversation with somebody about. And... um You just feel, you know, you get this self-righteous, you know, I'm going to tell them the way, you know, it needs to be. And then five minutes later, somebody can come in and say something that just totally deflates you to where you're like, whoa, I was way off course. I should not have done that, you know. Mm -hmm. So I think I think that that's a good word to use is Mm -hmm. puff up for that, because it really is. It's just a temporary, you know, little thing that isn't Mm -hmm. permanent, whereas whereas doing things in love is a permanent permanent building Mm -hmm. block, you know. Puffing up like a
3: balloon, you can just take a little needle and pop it right away. But then it says love builds up. You can't take a needle and just knock down a brick wall. Yeah. (laughs) Building up is something permanent and it's Mm -hmm.
0: firm and sound. Yeah. And I like in uh, verse 10 as well, where um, I guess 10 tied into 11 there, but not only talking about, you know, what we should do, you know, and how we should address these things, but also the power of the example that we're setting for people. Um, you know, that really stood out to me. It says, for if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, will he not be encouraged, if his conscience is weak, to eat food offered to idols? And so by your knowledge, this weak person is destroyed, Um, the brother for whom Christ died. Um, That just really stood out to me because that really is a lot of power in the example that we set and the choices that we make for people that, um, you know, that don't have... I don't, is it referring to just as much knowledge in our faith as we have or is it uh, meaning people that aren't of our faith yet
2: I, th- I think it's it's basically paul saying if there's any opinion or ideology that elevates itself over a person it's in the wrong place mm-hmm. so people to god are the ultimate value That's what he died for. He died for people. He didn't die for ideologies. He didn't die for opinions. And that was one of the big things that, I guess, that he had such a conflict. Jesus had such a conflict with the Pharisees was that they had their laws and their opinions they were trying to defend over people, Mm -hmm. and it was actually becoming more oppressive to the people. And this is a similar kind of thing, where you take this idea that you never eat food to idols or you can eat food to idols and you elevate that over the person that's next to you, Basically, you're elevating that idea over the person. And what Jesus did when he died is that he, he made the value of our individuals here the most sacred things on the planet. That now that we ha- house the Holy Spirit, and uh, we're temples. We are the most sacred, holy thing here on planet Earth. And so nothing can ever become more valuable to God than that. And I think that's where we can lose that you know and I think about even like the new believers that are coming in to our church and I love that I love that they come in and they're just they have some rawness to it they have tattoos or they swear or they do things that you wouldn't normally think that the people would do in church and you know what that's that's okay because for us and for hopefully for them they feel this that they are the most valuable thing uh here because they're the most valuable thing to God and we want to translate that to them Mm -hmm. and and i think that there's um it kind of comes down to really a righteousness thing because if if i want to have confidence in my own knowledge then and i'm going to use that as my own version of like making myself either right with god like hey i'm good with god because here's all the things checklist things that i do that's puffing my abilities and my knowledge and my actions uh, to make myself right with God, where we learn from Romans, and we've learned as we've been studying that it's, it's by it's grace through faith, and it's all the work of Jesus that we're made right. And so uh, and I think that's the constant re- like conflict that we're always kind of really working through is is knowing that we can't really stand on any of those things. And so when we begin to elevate people over those things, then we're, we're really we're disarming uh, that knowledge, We're disarming that self-righteousness. And, and people can come into our church rough yes. around the edges. They can come into our church with problems and issues. We can We can go to places where there's people that have problems and issues and still be the light of Christ and not feel like we're compromised, because we need to see them as the most valuable commodity, the most valuable thing here on planet Earth is the person and not necessarily their actions or our knowledge.
0: yeah
1: yeah, and I, and I think Daniel that was that. That was fantastic because that is Christ. I mean, we're called to walk in the footsteps of Jesus by the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And Christ always loved people before ideals. Mm -hmm. And, And as a matter of fact, in verse 90, he says, the Holy Spirit says, but be careful so that your freedom, he's not saying you don't have this freedom. He's saying, yes, I, you do have this freedom, but be careful so that your freedom does not cause others with weaker conscience to stumble. And that's difficult in our independent culture. Mm-hmm. I mean, we declare independence in 1776, and <laughs> we we talk about independence, and we talk about freedom. But Christ is saying here, the Holy Spirit is saying to us, be willing to put love for your brother ahead of your own personal freedoms. Huh. You know, and, and that is a mouthful because that is the evidence of Christ working in you when you're willing to say my freedom I am going to submit to my love for you because of Christ in me and that is maybe a mark of spiritual maturity as mm-hmm. opposed to uh, being puffed up with yeah. our knowledge yeah mm-hmm. I think a good
3: wow. takeaway application question then would be what freedom do you have that you have a hard time giving up or you would have a hard time you know not partaking in for the sake of another person. Is there any freedom in your life that's hurting another person? How does that need to change?
1: Mm. Oh. Well, that's <laughs> it's mean, tough. It, yeah. It,
2: so here's the question that I have for you, Jacob: is Is how do we? How would we how would you position that in a way that somebody could have the opportunity to, to discover that, like, introspectively? Like, so if, if you're asking somebody, hey, what's the freedom that you struggle giving up with when it comes to, this? like, they might just be like, I have no clue. Right. So so what would be kind of even, like, a way to even dig a little bit deeper or even just try to find, like, more of, uh, like, a more applicable question that they might take, like, their real-life example and, and place it?
1: Well, I, I can take an example, Jacob. Mm-hmm. Um we work with a lot of brothers who's trying to move through issues with addiction. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So let's take beer. I may have freedom to drink a beer in my home or to be with my wife or with some other friends that we have that in common. But when I'm with my brothers who's struggling with particular addiction to alcohol, I don't want to talk about the joy I have drinking beer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I want to let that go. And I don't want them, I want to invite them to my house. But when I invite them to my house, I want to drink iced tea. Yeah. yeah. You know, and not feel like I gotta have my freedom because I want a beer. But just because you can't drink a beer, doesn't mean I can't. No, I want to submit my freedom to have alcohol to your need for me to love you and meet you mm-hmm. with where you're at with what you're working through yeah. in your life. Is that a good illustration? Yeah. I think yeah. so,
0: because that really um, that really shows you putting them above everything else and your mm-hmm. your love for them and for that person. Um, to not put them in the position to where they're tempted with something that you know that they really struggle with. Yeah. Um, and, and it also reminded me, um, I don't, you know, uh, Daniel and Dennis and I and a few other people from the church were out in LA for a conference uh, a couple months ago. And I don't remember if uh, when Carl Lentz was speaking, if he was, if, if said this when we were all together or not, but when he talked about going out and finding that uh, veteran outside of the church that was drinking a beer, Mm-hmm. Um, not to say I want people to bring twelve packs into the the church or anything, but what he said in that story was, if that's how they meet Jesus, I, then yeah. I, well, that's the thing though. Yeah. Like he said, yeah. um, I met this veteran outside. I went outside of the church, and there were people out there, and I met this guy, and um, he said, you know, I just I can't come inside. I'm an alcoholic, and I can't I can't not have a, my, a drink with me.
1: He couldn't let go of it.
0: Yeah, and he said, well, come on in anyway. And he was, you know, so the guy ended up coming in. And a lot of people in the church were offended by the fact that he was drinking beer in the church. But at the same time, he got saved that night. So what's more important, you know, overlooking the beer just for the for the little while or leaving him outside because he can't have a beer in church and then he's not saved. He doesn't meet Jesus and he doesn't uh, get salvation in his life. So, um, you know, it's, it's kind of an extreme example, I guess, in a way. But, um, I mean, I know for me, I was like, wow, I've never thought of that before, like letting somebody drink in a church so that they can come in and know Jesus, you know? Um, but that's exactly it. It's, it's, which do you put higher? The rules that you believe are most important or the people meeting Jesus? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I just thought that when, Daniel, when you were saying that earlier about, um, about people and about putting that, you know, putting them above all else, um, in those situations, I, that's what I thought of there.
1: Well, brilliant. that's, that's another example is we our perception is We're going to church, and they're coming into the church. When in fact, it's just a building. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is just a building. We're the church, mm-hmm. you know. And so, so, so now we have arguments over what is the church. Yeah, you know this. This is a building. This is the people, you know. And what he was saying in that is that the churches mean this man with where he's at. Mm-hmm. We're we're making our love outgrow whatever kind. Of, um, thoughts we have about alcohol in this particular building that we call church. Yeah. The love won the way. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. And I think um, that's, I I love that example. I think that's perfect. Mm-hmm. And I think um, with this, maybe how we can take it and bring it into everyday application, um, Paul gives a really good example of, the mindset and the humility of Christ in in Philippians chapter two, and one of the things that he says in verse three and four, which is really significant, is he says, "But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interest of others." And so I think that as a, as a follower of Christ, we need to have this awareness. When we walk into the room, we need to not only because we, we, we're always aware of our own interest. Okay. We're always aware of oh, what yeah, sure. we want yeah. as soon as we walk into a room, mm. whether we want to watch TV or we want to sleep or we want a bite to eat or we want this. Now we want our cup of coffee. We're aware of our own interest as soon as we walk into the room. And Paul is saying, hey, I want you to go ahead and like turn that own interest, switch off. And I want you to look around and I want you to observe the interests, the needs the what is going on, counting other people's more more significant than your time, your money, your agenda, counting, like, elevating them above that. And I think that is uh, a start in the right direction, is when we walk into the room, we are literally observing and seeing, all right, how can I love, how can I help, like, show the love of Jesus to that person? Mm-hmm. I see something about them. I don't know what's really going on in that situation, but I, I want to just go up and I just want to say, hey, you know, are you doing okay? You know, and just it, it basically mm-hmm. put ourselves in a position where other people, their interests, their needs are greater than our own. And I think that can get us kind of in the right direction when we start to use then our freedom, which is our time, mm-hmm. our money, our abilities. You know, we're using that freedom now and leveraging that for other people as opposed mm-hmm. to just kind of serving our own interests. Because we live in a society that's very... Individu- individualistic uh yep. individualism yes so like we're just really focused on the individual <laughs> oh, yeah it's all about our own happiness our own freedom yes. and we have these rights and now we can express them every way any way that we want to and everything is fair game mm-hmm. and the mindset of christ is just the complete opposite of that For Sure. you know and so and i think that we're even i would say we're further away than the Corinthians are even in this, because even in this society, they still have an idea of culture. They have, they have an idea of connectivity of Mm -hmm. people. And I think we have lost that in a lot of ways. Quite a bit. And so to, to, for us to shut that off, I think is really hard, but it's also extremely powerful when we do shut off our own needs, our own interests, or even just, you know, put them to the side for a little while and think, Mm -hmm. Hey, maybe I'll just buy this pertinent person a cup of coffee because they're here. That's their interest. They need coffee. Why don't, I just, why don't I just buy them a cup of coffee and engage in that conversation? Now, that may not be what you need, but it and it doesn't have to be monetarily. Mm-hmm. It could just be just being there and talking and engaging with somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think that, that that for me kind of pushes it more towards, you know, how can I walk into a room and immediately elevate the interests of everyone else in the room above my own? Mm-hmm. And I think that's the key to going back to your question
3: earlier of, How do we turn it introspectively and ask, is there anything in my life that I've held on to much? If there's anything that consistently keeps you from valuing others more important than yourself, if there's something that you can't let go of in order to fully love somebody or to benefit them, then that thing, that freedom, even though you might be perfectly entitled to it, has become too important for you in the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. And so you need to... It sounds cheesy, but like surrender that you need to figure out how to reprioritize it way down so that way it will stop hindering you from loving others the way God wants us to.
1: Mm -hmm. And don't don't you guys think that a a tough thing in our American culture is just simple awareness. Mm -hmm. We live in our bubble you know so often we're not not aware of our surroundings you you, you're called daniel for us to to elevate people above i I have to be aware i have to open up my heart i have to let people in that's what love builds up Mm -hmm. i gotta let people in i gotta notice Mm -hmm. people observe people and i have to have a heart as as um as daniel read in philippians chapter two i have to have a heart of wanting to serve them and wanted to love him, But I find in my, my life, I just go through life, and many times people get hurt by me, and I didn't intentionally try to hurt them. Mm-hmm. I just simply was not aware. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just wasn't aware. And I think that's something in the Christian culture, that if we all got maybe a dose of awareness, mm. that that could go a long, a long way.
0: Yeah. And I will say, too, Dennis, in a conversation that you and I had before, um, months ago now, but um, something that you know, it, it wasn't necessarily a revelation to me because I knew it deep down, but it took somebody talking to somebody like you to point it out to me to do that, to, to walk into a room and to, um, elevate the people in the room above you. Um, that's a deliberate decision. That's something that, you know, to most people just doesn't come naturally because, we live our lives in the way you were just speaking about. So it is a deliberate decision that you have to make going in. And just knowing that kind of opened my eyes like, yeah, that, that is a big part of changing priorities in your life is just looking at it and knowing what you need to do and then deliberately making the decision to do it mm-hmm. when you walk into a room with somebody. And the hope is from that, that you'll do that so much that eventually it becomes natural and you'll won't have to think about it anymore. Yes. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. All right. You have anything else? I don't have anything else. Dennis, would you like to close us out in prayer Deliver sure. this
1: passage? God, you're so good. And we thank you for your your word that was inspired for us to grow and to learn. And Father, as we reflect on 1 Corinthians chapter 8, God, we ask that you help uh, the four of us and all of our listeners to put you first and other people ahead of ourselves for us to elevate and become aware of our environment and to express love in all situations to all people. And God, we ask that through this that people will see you in us and will come to know Jesus even as we're coming to know him every day and growing in love for him each day. In your precious name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.
0: Well, Dennis, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you. I've Um, enjoyed it. Thank you for inviting me. (laughs) Good. We'd love to have you back anytime you want to. Just let us know Mm -hmm. Um, because we're always looking to have different perspectives on here and uh, just get guests that we know are going to be a good conversation. And we know that you're always going to be a good conversation. So uh, anytime you want, just let us know. Thank you. (laughs) Um, All right. Well, thank you very much for listening, everybody, this week. Um, And if you've been listening this whole time, thank you so much. Please spread the word if you're enjoying what you're hearing here and what we're doing with the podcast um, for Elevation Community Church and the Weekly Impact Podcast. I would like to thank you, Jacob. You're welcome. Daniel. Sure. And, of course, Dennis again.
1: You're very welcome.
0: All right. Everybody, have a happy holiday season, and we'll talk to you next week.